Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. Tuesday edition of the Danny Mac show as we are closer to opening day of the major league season. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. Tanner is with us and we're going to visit with a world series MVP coming up back in 2006. That was David Eckstein. Looking forward to visiting with one of my favorites, David Eckstein, great human being and was a great player here in St. Louis. Good morning. BK. years since 2006. That's wild. I, st- you know what? That one doesn't get me as much as when they tell me, by the way, hey, uh, are you going to be talking a little bit about the 2011 World Series this year? And I say, well, of course, you know, if something comes up, we talk about David Freeze or this, that, and the other. Hey, by the way, it's the 10-year anniversary. Yeah. I'm like, wow. It just seems like yesterday David Freeze was hitting that home run. It both seems like it was yesterday and also seems like it was 50 years ago. Like, it, both yeah. of those, it's weird that that can be true, but it both feels true. Okay, I'll give you another one. It seems like years ago that we had opening day for a, I don't know, fans feel this way, text in 65780. It feels like 10 years ago we were looking at cutouts and an opening day of a 60-game season mm-hmm. with Jack Flaherty threw against the Pirates. That that just seems like, well, that had to be five years ago, 10 years ago. No, it was just a few months ago. <laughs> Crazy. It was a year ago, almost exactly, when the world shut down. And that feels like it could have been 100 years ago. It does. So I'm looking forward to uh, visiting with David Eckstein. One of the things we're going to get into on this, and we're going to have a few topics here in this first segment. What can Carlos Martinez bring to the Cardinals rotation if he's right? And yesterday, three innings pitched, no hits, no runs, walked one, struck out two. So if you combine that with his previous start, and he was backing up Wainwright yesterday, nine innings, four hits, three walks, seven strikeouts, no earned runs. So here's what I saw yesterday, and this is what I saw in his previous start, BK. I've I've really been interested in his velocities. Velocities hovering right around 92-93. I'd love to see it a tick or two higher, but he's in the rotation, so I can live with it. What I love seeing is his sinker. I mean, he is getting whop. I mean, it's boom. It's going down, and you're seeing a great two-seamer, a sinker that he's throwing right now. If he has that thing moving like it is, and if he's going to be inside the strike zone, which he's got to be at times, he can get a little wild, and then that opens up the big innings. Then you got something. You're getting ground balls. You're going to get your share of strikeouts, and he's in the middle of this rotation. Now you're counting on him more than ever with the injuries that you've had and Ponce and Ganter in the back end. So he's number three in my starting five. Um, if he does that, he's going to be just fine, and the Cardinals are going to be just fine with him this year. I think he is the X factor for the rotation. Really could be. Because if you get a really good year out of Carlos Martinez – as much as we all like Wayno and KK and Michaelis, Martinez is the second best stuff in that rotation. Might have the best. Potentially. Yes. And we've seen it when it's been on. I mean, you don't have to go back that far. Even in 2018, when he was a part of that rotation, he was pretty good that year when he was healthy. You look back on the ERAs that he's posted, Dan, every single season outside of last year, basically. 
It's three six or below, and that's in the bullpen and the rotation. By the way, it's about equal, which is might surprise some people. He's been great, and so I know that it can be frustrating to watch at times. And in the moment, you're watching it, and you just want to pull your hair out because he's not locating the zone. He's all over the place. He's falling over. He looks like he's just never going to find it again. But he seems to. And at the end of the year, you look down to the back of the baseball card. It's like, wow, he had a three point two ERA this season. I don't know how he got there, but it ended up being effective. If he can do that again for them, Dan, it completely changes the complexion of what we're looking at. His last start, he was doing what you said. He was falling off towards the first uh, first base side in about the fourth inning. So first three innings went through their lineup. I think he had four or five strike. I mean, it was really good. And everything, every out was ground ball or strikeout, nothing in the air. So you know he's on top of it and he's finishing towards the plate. When he falls off towards the first base side, his front shoulder opens up, he doesn't get on top of the ball, it just trails, it doesn't sink. That's when he gets into trouble. And he made an adjustment immediately in that game. That is a that to me was something that was telling, okay? It's kind of like this. John Nagowski, his best at bat this spring was a walk. And people are like, what? Danny Mac, what are you talking about? He had a home run. He's hitting the ball. I'm telling you, his bested bat of the spring that I saw, and I saw a bunch of them because he played a bunch, was a walk against Jerry's Familia. This is why this guy's in the big leagues, is that when Familia came in, he's throwing 94-95 with a nasty splitter. And that splitter starts out at like knee high, maybe a little bit higher. And most guys are offering it that they swing over the top of it. He took some nasty splitters. So he makes an adjustment in the at-bat. That's why he's able to walk. That's why he's able to make the adjustment against the competitor. If Carlos Martinez, so you kind of follow me here. I'm yeah. going. So if Carlos Martinez, when you see him start to fall off to the left or towards the first base side and the front shoulder opens up, which will happen at some point this year, might happen in his first start. If he can make the adjustment, which he did in that game, in that inning and got out of the inning, you got something. And that's what I'm looking at for Carlos Martinez. So what I'm talking about is consistency. He's been two up, two down. Sometimes it's the big inning. Sometimes he goes out and gives you eight scoreless. Need to see it every fifth day. And that's why, to your point, BK, and I'm with you, he's kind of the wild card in this rotation. If he can settle that in and be your third starter, so you're not sure about four and five, you're hopeful, but you're not sure. Ponce is kind of hit and miss. Gant, I think, is, I think you feel more positives about his camp than Ponce because of the walks. But if he could be solid every fifth day, Carlos Martinez, you got something because you're hopeful with Flaherty and Wayno that they're going to be Flaherty and Wayno. Now we're talking. And if that happens, good things can happen. The other thing about Carlos Martinez in particular is the way that he pitches. You mentioned the sinker. It's the ground balls, right? You look at what the defense is that's behind him this year. If he's able to consistently get those ground balls, they're going to convert those into outs. You've got Nolan Arenado, one of the best defensive third basemen, not just right now, ever. Paul DeYoung is, I think, actually become underrated defensively at shortstop because we talk so much about the offense. Edmund's going to be very good, and we know what Goldie is at first. I mean, that is remarkable in terms of what you're going to have behind you defensively. So for him to be able to utilize that sinker, if it is working, it has to be working. He's going to get a ton of ground balls. He's going to get a ton of punch outs. And suddenly you're going to be looking at a guy that you look up in mid-June. You're like, wow, he has a 3.2 ERA and he's averaging six innings because he's able to get deeper because he's getting that soft contact. But he has to be consistent with it. And that that could completely change this rotation because he could be your de facto number two starter. 
And then you add in Wayno, you throw in KK after about a month. And now we're looking at this. And instead of the rotation being a question mark going into June, now it ends up becoming a strength. Fans may not know this, but Mike Schilt is very close with Carlos Martinez off the field. They're, they're, they're tight. He had him in the minor leagues, has him in the majors. He knows him better than anybody. Thought he was really dialed in and competing and in control of what he was doing across the board. And, um, you know, he threw a sinker, I think, to Martinez. Um, and I was like, whoa. Um, just late, dropped about that much and um, heavy. And I was like, man, that's, that's a that's a plus plus pitch. And then he's got the change up to match. He throws that sinker on the plate and controls counts and has that change up. Um, and his secondary pitch is working. He's um, he's pretty special, like you saw today. That was excellent pitching by Carlos. That's what we were talking about the sinker, and that was the game that I referred to his second appearance ago, which was a start. His last full season healthy as a starter was 2017. Gave you 32 starts over 200 innings. As you mentioned, the 3.64 ERA, striking out almost 10 per nine. The projections this year, if you go to fan graphs, you go to the various projections that love to do these things, and I think they're fun. Yeah. 8-8, eight, eight, 131 innings, ERA a run higher. I could see that, but if he gives you innings... That's what you're really looking for, too, out of Carlos Martinez. He's got to give you some innings. Sub-4 ERA, 160-plus innings is what I'm looking for from him this year. That'd be great. If you can get that, that is a successful season of, out of Carlos Martinez. That means that he's been pretty consistent. It means he stayed healthy, which is probably the most part, and he was effective when he was out there. That would be a plus number 4 starter in your rotation. And eventually, you're going to have the return of KK. You're hoping, fingers crossed, Michaelis. I think if you get him, it's a bonus. And Ponce maybe goes to your bullpen, so that solidifies kind of a long-inning guy, along with Jake Woodford, and then your back end is John Gant, number five. Not the way you drew it up. A couple of months ago, your KK, Michaelis, those guys are all in there. But, uh, and you you know, really, going into this camp, I thought the competition would be with Martinez going against Ponce and Gant. And now Martinez gets bumped up, and if he throws the way that he did a couple of days ago, or rather a couple of starts ago, they're going to be just fine. It's funny how these things work out, because Carlos was the guy all offseason that when we would get text, oh, 65780 yeah. the Air Comfort Service tax line, it would be something to the effect of, they've got to get rid of him, just cut him. I don't even want to see him throw next year. Now he's become a really important piece to what the Cardinals are going to accomplish this year. Imagine if he doesn't stay healthy. Who who's in this rotation if he goes down? Is it Oviedo, Woodford? I think, I think Woodford, Oviedo. Yeah, that's your first two that you look at. I'm okay with those guys. I'm not super terrified of them being in my rotation. What I don't feel great about is a three, four, five that includes Gant, Woodford, slash Oviedo, and then Ponce. Having yeah. those three guys in your rotation being the majority of it, that's where I get concerned. You know, you think that we're talking about this here in St. Louis? Boy, there are a lot of teams talking about what are we going to do in a four and a five? 100%. Who's going to close games? What's going on in the bullpen? How are they going to get through these innings? I do feel more comfortable, even with KK and Michaelis, with the Cardinals out. I, I mean, I wish they were in, but I, I'm more comfortable with the depth of their pitching. And I, it's going to be tested this year. You're going to see 33, 35 guys on a roster used this year. Yeah, Mo said this yesterday, right? That he was talking about Lane Thomas, not the pitching staff, but it applies for both. The Cardinals are going to use the guys that got sent down the other day. They're going to. They're yep. going to be needed at some point. Lane Thomas is going to get an opportunity. He's probably going to play center field for this Cardinals club at he some point this to. year. He needs to. 
and you're going to look at some of the guys that we talked about. Oviedo, he's going to get a start at some point this year, I would imagine, for the Cardinals. Same thing for Jake Woodford. He's likely going to get a spot start at some point. So you're going to see those guys. It's just a matter of how much do you have to utilize them depending on the health of everybody else. That's BK. I'm Danny Mack. Coming up, we will visit with David Eckstein, the former World Series MVP. This is the Danny Mack Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. What a privilege to have the chance to visit with David Eckstein in that last highlight. That was the 2006 World Series. The MVP of the 06 Cardinals in the World Series, a world champion, and one of the great people that uh, came through our community and still helping out St. Louis and many people around the country, and that's former Cardinals shortstop David Eckstein. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Brandon Kiley. David, last time I saw you, we were down at fantasy camp. A uh, few things have happened since then. Uh, but by the way, it's great to hear your voice. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, Danny. You got it, buddy. Um, where do we find you these days? Where are you right now? I'm in Orlando, Florida right now. So, yeah, I'm out by Disney World. <laughs> yeah, I figured as much. We'll get into that in just a moment. Um, <laughs> you know, Ashley's got to stay close to home. I get it. Disney World. And you do, yep. too. And you're, you know, from that area. Last time we talked to you, are working for the Pirates. Are you just get us yes. up to speed with baseball? You're connected with USA Baseball. You were with the Pirates. But what are you doing with the game of baseball right now? Yeah, right now, yeah, I actually um, walked away from the Pirates, um, you know, with everything. My contract prior was basically 15 days, but with the pandemic, you um, 15 days a, a month. With the pandemic, we had to go in the bubble, and that was something, you know, that I did not want to be away from Ashley, and that's what they had to go back into again this year. And, you know, I've, I've done that for like 10 years when I played, and it was one of those things that um, with – with everything that's going on in her world, it was like a time for me to take a little bit of a step back as well from that to be able to be with her. But yes, I've been, I've been approached by a couple things within baseball. Hopefully um, here in the new future, um, we'll be able to say something about it, like through the commissioner's office. Um, um, and then also um, we have a little fun game that we are working on. So yeah, so I'm still doing some stuff with baseball, but um, also mainly working with Ash on some of her projects too. David, one of the big topics that's come up, especially over the last few months, really since the end of last season, is kind of the state of baseball right now. And yeah. you mentioned the commissioner's yeah. office. You've got Theo that's working now. Rol Ibanez is working yeah. now with the commissioner's office. Where are you at with with the game that is being played right now compared to what it was when you were playing? Yeah, it's one of those things. I think there's 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 there is a time um, that we have to kind of um, change a little bit. I think the biggest thing is that we're losing the especially the younger fan base right now because we're going over five minutes without action happen. We'll have a we'll have pitches, but we do not have a ball in play, runners in motions. So I think that's something that um, MLB is really trying to address to be able to kind of grasp that that younger fan. And um, you're seeing some of the rule changes. You're seeing some of the stuff implemented within the minor league. So I know they're going to be doing a lot of study on um, each league having a certain 
new rule and be able to focus just on how that actually affects the game. And I think it's very good. I think, I think, you know, everyone might've thought fans are showing up to see the home run. Um, but you know, the problem is when you add a computer into the base, the computer spits out, you need to hit a home run because that's a hundred percent success rate and you need to strike out a guy because that's hundred percent success rate of an out. So basically now we're seeing a lot of trying to hit home runs and then trying to strike people out, which leads to no action. And so I think, I think MLB is on it. And I think in the coming future, you know, with some of these new rules that they're looking at, I think, um, I think we got some exciting times coming. David, you won multiple World Series, one in each league, and you were a, a World Series MVP here in St. Louis. Have you ever wondered what how teams would value a player like you <laughs> nowadays? Like in 2021, how would teams view yeah. David Eckstein? Um, you you need that special club that actually sees the value in that. And, you know, I mean, one of my favorite players out there today is David Fletcher. I actually know him pretty well. Um, and he's with the Angels and Joe Madden's there. And they really love him. Tony LaRusso was there last year overseeing as a special assistant. He would call me on him as well. So I still think there is a value to that type of player. Um, but you have to produce. And you need guys around you that can do the other stuff. And, and so – I would, I would hope I would find a way to be able to um, still find myself into a lineup, but it is very difficult. It is very difficult because, you know, when only people care about is, you know, your OPS and, and, and everything else that has nothing to do with some of the stuff that the intangible stuff within the game, I think we kind of lose the actual heartbeat of the game. And that's, that's the guys that go out there and know how to put the ball in play, know how to play the right way. They, they play hard. And so I, I still think I would have found my way on a club. I would have to believe. <laughs> Absolutely. David Eckstein, the MVP of the 2006 World Series champion Cardinals, is our guest. I think, David, you know, there's a place for analytics, obviously. The problem is, right. is that we got the game is being run by analytics. So my, my question would be, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've been in a front office and talking to those guys yeah. that are making the decisions on, hey, should we yeah. bring this guy in or do we do this in free agency, that kind of thing. The problem with analytics, it doesn't measure heart. It doesn't measure mm-hmm. guts. So in those conversations, can you ever have a voice and say, look, I know this guy. He, he doesn't jump off the page with the numbers, but I'm telling you, if we get him, he's a heck of a player if we bring him in. Does that get attention when you bring that up? Um, it, it does. It depends. I mean, that's, that's kind of more like, I mean, I had – I had a nice phone call um, prior to um, the White Sox back in the day drafting Nick Madrigal. And um, he's the second baseman for the Chicago White Sox. I mean, he's small. He doesn't, off the paper, you know, he doesn't jump out at you, but he's a winner. And so I had one of the scouts call me up, what can I tell Kenny Williams? I'm like, tell me the best competitor I've been around in in the amateur game since I've left. And so, so, and they ended up drafting him. And so it's, it's, there is, there is room for that type of thing. But my biggest, this is what I always would say, you know, when you have a club that's below average on paper, major league talent, and all you do is driven by the computer. If every, every team is putting in the same algorithms and how they're going to do it, then once again, it comes back to talent. And so are we really changing anything? So why don't let's be a little bit different. Use a little bit of the gut feeling, use what your eyes see with the, and, and train. So I'm not saying that stats and, and, 
and the computer is wrong. No, it's very valuable. And I've, I've had these conversations with Tony LaRusso, Tony LaRusso all the time. It's, it's a combination of both. And let's not forget that. You know, I think, I think one of the things we saw it in, in the World Series, you know, you take out, you know, with, um, in the sixth inning, you know, because it was going to be the third time through the lineup. And you're like, whoa, yeah. the game might have a problem. Absolutely. You might have a problem if, if then, and then, and then you go, then what is the value of a manager? You know what I mean? Do you really even need a manager? Now, now you're seeing managers being best friends as opposed to being a leader. It's very and well so put. That's, that, that, that's, that's, you know, where you get, and, you know, and, you know, what we grew up with is the manager is the heartbeat of the club. He has the pulse of every player. So he knows when to play a guy, knows when to pinch in a guy, know when to take a guy out. And so, and then you factor that in with the analytics, and I think you have the best combination. What are the rules that are being instituted in the minor leagues that you say, you know what, this will work in the minor leagues, and it will work in Major League Baseball, and this is back to entertainment for fans? Which ones do you like? <laughs> am I allowed to say this? I, I, I am in favor of the automatic strike zone. Being in Pittsburgh the past two years and seeing some of the you just want it to be fair. And so and you just don't want any preconceived notion that you're supposed to lose. And so um I am in favor of seeing something like that. I know that's very radical, but you like to see that, that both sides are getting the same. Um and I, I, I enjoy the sense of they're they're testing out like a lefty has to step off. I would hope that a righty would have to completely step off. Because with, you know, a right-handed pitcher, they bend the front knee and they create the balk move. That's why guys can't steal. And so, and so if they legitimately have to step back and step off, now you're adding run game. Now, and so I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big proponent of that if we're actually going to incorporate stolen base because the catchers have gotten so good. You know, you're like, you're not going to run on a Yachty. He's one eight one nine to second base. So and if the pitcher's below, a, as long as he's below a one four, like, your chances are not that good, but now when if he can't have the balk move in place on the right-handed side, um, then you can then you can actually get a little bit bigger lead. Now those times are a little bit faster to second base, and you actually you know the percentage that the computer reads out of times you can be safe will go up. <laughs> so like, those are some of the things that that I look. I I'm in favor of of getting the ball and getting on the mound and pitch. Um, the shot clock, you know, whatever you're going to say, like get on the mound pitch as a, as a defensive player, you really enjoy when a guy takes the ball, throws a pitch and he's right back on the mound. Cause it keeps you into the flow of the game. So I, 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 I like that idea. We're talking to David Eckstein, former Cardinal shortstop and 2006 World Series MVPs joining us here on 101 ESPN. David, you brought up Yadier Molina's name there. He was with yeah. you in 2006. He's still with the Cardinals in 2021. I wanted to ask you about both he and Adam Wainwright. Are you surprised yeah. at all that those guys are still doing it today? I am not surprised, and I was thrilled when they signed them back. They, they only need to wear Cardinal jerseys. I'm yes. going to say that, and I said that. Last year, when I did an interview, when they when they had not signed back yet, and like they have to be in, so um, you know, great job to Mo um, of getting them back in. And as you've seen, you know, Adam, you know, did very you know phenomenal once again in spring training, and and you expect that throughout the regular season. And Yachty's Yachty, like like I don't know how you would want someone else if he if he has the ability to catch. I don't know why you would not want him on your club. 
And so, yeah, I am, I am not surprised at all. Like their work ethic and their drive to be the best in the game and successful and keeping their bodies in shapes um, is, 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 you know, top notch. So I am not surprised that they're still doing it, but I'm just so thrilled that they're all, they're both doing it in a Cardinal uniform. Now we're fired up here in St. Louis about Nolan Arenado for obvious reasons, yes. but, but you saw this guy, I'm telling you, I only saw him, David, doing the games. I don't know. Maybe we played him six times, right? The pirates. Yeah. Yeah. This key Brian Hayes, man, that's my guy. He is a stud. Yeah. How good is this kid? He is so good. I had him at I had him in with USA back in the day on the ATU. I was part of I was part of the, the help selection committee of his club that went on to win the world championship. Yeah, I saw him back then and he was as smooth as ever as ever um at at third base. And he is the real deal. And now with no one really knew, you know, we were able to get our hands on him offensively. He can actually hit too. Oh yeah. Everyone thought it was just a glove base. You know, and through the minors, the the average wasn't there, but we were able to, you know, make a minor adjustment with him. And and legitimately, you're seeing now a superstar. And the competition between him and Nolan in the in the central and basically within Major League Baseball of having they're probably the two best defensive players in the league is going to be fun to watch. David, last question that I've got for you. We are, it is the 15 year anniversary of the yeah. 2006 World mm-hmm. Series, which seems impossible. It feels like it was yesterday. I, I remember when I look back on that, I think it was Bob Nightingale who picked the Tigers to win that series in three. Like it was such, it was such yeah. an outsized matchup to some nationally that they were that big of an, uh, of an underdog here in St. Louis. What do you remember? What comes to mind immediately as you think back to the 06 World Series? And did you guys feel that? Did you feel that you were the underdogs going into that series? Yeah, I, I remember we um, Tony met with us prior. And he's like, don't let them write the history. You know what I mean? This is on us. And and going into it. And, and yeah, totally um, the underdogs, you know, because they had just swept. And we were, we had, you know, the epic battle with New York um, to get into the get into the series and it was one of those things that no we were gonna we were gonna sit there and, and go about it. we understood that the game you know is the game so when you play there's nothing there's nothing that you know a sports writer could write or say that that's gonna actually truly have an effect on the game and um, we went out there and the thing about it was and, and was when we were healthy in the first two months of the season, we were the best team in the league. We were finally getting healthy, and we thought we could, you know, we definitely could play with anybody. But, I mean, what really stands out is, is for me, is like, like the way our, like our pitchers really stood up and like what Yachty did. You know, Yachty calling those games, and then what he did offensively as well. I say this all the time. You know, I know I was named MVP, but they could have very easily given it to Yachty or Molina. There's no doubt. Um, I'm, this is my final question. You, you were in your, your time here, albeit it was brief, but man, what an impact you made on the field, obviously. We just talked about that. But you made a really big impact with organ donation uh, and getting awareness here in St. Louis, which has been uh, something that has really affected your family. Um, can you tell us what you're doing with that, David, now with organ donation and, and just your history there for those who don't know? Yeah, so it, when I was in St. Louis, I had the opportunity to work with Mid-America Transplant Services to, to just get the word out about organ donation and that uh, please go out and just sign your organ donor card because it truly can help a family. 
um, that 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 needs one, and that's my my family has been recipients of that as well. And so, back here in um, Orlando, we just um, a couple of years ago we helped build the, the new transplant house, um, so that families can come in and they'll have a, pay, a place to stay. Um, why why a loved one is receiving uh, an organ. So yeah, so we're still doing that. And the next thing that we're going on top of the organ donation, my my um, my wife has been doing a lot with um, Nations Children Wide. They have built the first ever um, mental health hospital for kids. So we've dived in. She's actually up in Columbus, Ohio, right now at the hospital, um, doing some stuff for them. So we 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 have dove headfirst into that because of her business. Um, which deals with a lot of the the younger female fans in the sci-fi world. You know, there's a there's a real need um, to understand you know mental health um, within young kids because most basically the majority of all mental health appears by the age of 13, and um, Nationwide has now built the first ever you know children's mental hospital within the United States. And so that's something that that we are diving headfirst in, and and hopefully get the word out, especially within the pandemic. And you see now um, all the all the case studies of how that's kind of shot up, um, especially within the kids who have been homeschooling. There was a report on television today, and so we're just trying to get the word out of that to help help young kids take care of that. That's phenomenal, and you do such great work. I know it's a life's passion as well as baseball, and uh, you're loved back here, man, so don't be a stranger. When this all settles down, please get back to Bush Stadium. I I definitely will. I mean, yeah, that's one thing. You know, with Joe Pfeiffer there and stuff like that, like we talked to him like, yeah, if there's ever anything you need, I mean, you know I love coming back. And Jimmy says hello, too. You know Jimmy's never going to let an opportunity to say hi to you. So. How's he doing? He's doing great. He's on the games and uh, raising his family and is it's hard. Yeah. Like he was saying, like BK was saying, like, you know, 2006, man. It's, <laughs> now his, you know, remember Landon would be running around, you know, and he's coming yeah. up to your knee. Well, now he's in high school next year and playing baseball and his kids are getting grown. It's, it's just crazy. It's crazy. So oh my gosh. he wanted me to tell you hello. Oh yeah, definitely. Send him my best. You and, bet. And- yeah, I'll be watching you guys. <laughs> you bet. Hey, David, thanks for doing this. Appreciate yeah, you, buddy. Definitely. You got definitely. it. Take care. You got right. it. That's that, that's David Eckstein, who is one of the classiest people you will ever meet in sports. I was covering the teams, obviously, when he was here, and uh, there aren't many better than that that guy right there. He was just awesome. Ashley, by the way, for our younger fans who don't know, she's an actress in like sci-fi and that kind of yeah. stuff. And for David... Uh, organ donation is a way of life for the Eckstein family, and I'm sure he didn't want to get too particular with this, but four of his family members have received kidney transplants, and three additional family members have donated their kidneys. So that's uh, kind of a way of life and their passion to make sure that they get the word out and we donate and, and try to save some lives. Dan, I'm curious. Um, so to be eligible for the Cardinals Hall of Fame, you had to play three years here in St. Louis. And David Eckstein played three years. He got to that eligibility do you think eventually he could be He's thinking a about it? I, I think what we have right now is a and a good problem because that means you've been around a long time. You got a glut of really good players. Absolutely. And so when some of these guys get inducted, so the five that are on the ballot this year, in my opinion, all will go in at some point and they're deserving and they should. Then you're gonna have like Wayno, Yachty, Holiday, 
maybe Carpenter, um, and pe- people are going to go, come on. No, Carpenter's in the top 10 of most offensive categories or a lot of them in, in Cardinals history. You're going to have some of those guys are going to pop up. Um, yeah, I could see that if his name pops up, like David Freeze, people would say, now should David Freeze be on the ballot? Didn't play all that long here. Well, he's on the most important game in maybe franchise history in game six and an MVP in the NLCS and MVP. It's not the baseball Hall of Fame. It's the Cardinals Hall of Fame. It's for the fans. So there's a connection to those games and to maybe David Eckstein. And and that's why if you put those guys on the ballot, I think that there's a good shot that they get in. Made a couple all-star games yes. here in St. Louis. He I mean, he, he was a legitimately really good player while he was here. And that 06 team is going to be remembered forever in the yes. lore of St. Louis Cardinals history. And he was the guy that won the MVP for that World Series. So I think he's got a strong case. Now, if you just look at the offensive numbers, there is no case. Like, it's not there for him. But if you go a little bit deeper and you think about what he brought defensively, what he was as the heart and soul of that team in some ways, like, I think there's a case to be made for David Eckstein as a card in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Like you said, there's a very different factor here compared to the baseball Hall of right. Fame. I think you can make it for him. I wonder if as we get a little further away and the backlog starts to clear up a little bit. I think he's got a pretty strong case to get in. What was interesting at the time when they they got him, remember the Cardinals lost the 2004 World Series. They're swept by Boston, and the starting shortstop on that team was Edgar Renteria, Mm -hmm. who was a hell of a player, man, and people did not want to see him go, and he goes and signs with Boston, and the Cardinals go out and give Eckstein, I think it was like three years and nine million bucks, and he becomes a (laughs) two-time All-Star and an MVP. It really softened the blow, believe me, of losing Edgar Enteria. The Cardinals have done a hell of a job of, it, it's going to sound like I'm putting them down for this, I'm not, but like piecing it together yeah. at maybe the most important position in the sport. Yes. Like they've done an unbelievable job of finding guys a little under the radar to fill in and be really good players for them at shortstop. Well, that's to your point. Like you you go back to when Ozzy retired, which was 1996, and then you start seeing some of the players they would bring in, like... Royce Clayton, obviously there's competition there, but there were others that you go, I don't know about that, but then they go out and get Renteria, and he's here till 2004. Then it's Eckstein through 05, 06, 07, and then it was like Cesar is tourist. They went out, and Khalil Green was another one. Didn't work out, but all of a sudden you develop Paul DeYoung, who the Pirates, by the way, you know, wanted him to be a catcher. So, you know, it's weird how they got there, too, because it was like they gave that big contract to Johnny Peralta. It worked out really well for a star one year and then it went south for a little bit. But they found a Ledmus Diaz who was really good. And then that went south. And then, boom, Paul DeYoung is here. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Some of these stop caps. One of the things he said, and I know we were running late to a break, made me think of Porter Mosier. So I'm going off the beaten path here. Okay. But he said, you know, when you draft David, I'm paraphrasing again, but you, you can draft winners. Right. Guys that have the track record of maybe the numbers don't jump off the pages, but you draft guys that are winners. Porter Mosier made a point when he recruited at Loyola, Chicago. He said, I went out and looked at guys that were on state championship teams. I looked at guys that were a part of it and they may not have been the best player, but a really good player, division one player. And they're not getting looked at by the blue bloods and that kind of thing. But there's something about bringing in people that have won and have won championships, and we're a cog in that, like an important piece of it. And it just it does make you think of that when you're evaluating, and this day and age with agents sharing players, and they all talk to each other, they know who they're signing. 
for the most part. I mean, you know that when you got to get Nolan Arenado, yeah, does that jump off the page? Of course it does. He's not- at every level he's ever been at, he was successful. And he's just a great dude that you want to be around. Like, there is something magnetic about his personality. You need that in a clubhouse. Man, it's a long oh season, and it is a grind. And for you to be able to have somebody in that clubhouse in baseball or in the dressing room in hockey or as your backup quarterback in the NFL, wherever it is, every every sport has this. You need some guys that just bring a little bit of levity. And actually, though, we're not valuing that. I know. There is a value. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Tanner, did you say 18 game losing streak for the uh, Sabre? Yeah, 18. Ouch. Not great. Wow. 18. Well, at least they got the Bills coming up. Uh, you know, drafts right around the corner, right? He's Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, yeah. He played well for him once upon a time. Yeah, <laughs> that was that, that trade worked out pretty well yeah. for the Blues. Wow, 18. That's a lot. That's a lot of losing. That's So when was their last win? It's got to be a month and a half ago, doesn't it? I mean, they're playing a lot of games like three or four a week. I get it, but let's see. Six here. weeks? Seems about right. Schedule? Six twenty-three and five on the year. If you want to hear their last win came on February twenty-third, Dan. It's been six weeks since they won a hockey game. Uh, hey, they won three, two out of three against New Jersey at that point in time. Yeah, and they were close to five hundred, six, eight, and two when yeah. their last win occurred. Wow. Once upon a time, it didn't look so bad out in Buffalo. No, it didn't. I wow. wonder what that what that dressing room's like right now. Because Dead. it's it's the middle of a pandemic. You you know, it's over. Like, there is yeah. nothing to play for down the stretch. And, man, they've still got a ton of games left against Boston and Pittsburgh. That's, that's a when's rough dressing When's, when's your next game? Their next game is on uh, tomorrow Today's night. the 23rd. Tomorrow night. Who do they got? Philadelphia. Loss. New York twice. And then they've got New Jersey. They could win one of those games. I say they split with the Rangers. There you go. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I'm going to go to FanDuel and split that. There you go. Promo it's a code. risk-free bet if it's your first one, Dan. <laughs> Not the, uh, well, I can't say. Okay, promo code WXOS. That's, uh, right. that's what I'm looking forward to. I, I love the interview with David Eckstein. That was fun. He was great. He was fantastic. Love listening to those guys. I love talking with people like him because I really do. I asked him this question. I'm sincerely curious. I wonder how baseball values David Eckstein nowadays. I think there's a place for him. Oh, for sure. But, I, but I'm with, I was going to ask him the same thing. I don't know if he is thought of as going into the season as an answer at shortstop for a team the way that he was back then. I just wonder, do teams value that skill set the way they once did? I, I think the answer is no. I hope that the answer is still yes, but I think the answer is probably no. Probably no. You, you go out and get <clears throat> the guys that you can, that the numbers jump off the pages because that's what they tell you to do. So the answer is probably no. You know, character, that kind of thing. I, maybe that's the last thing you're looking for now, right? If you're looking at a deciding factor and you get player X and Y. and Could be a tiebreaker. But. That's what I'm saying. That's the tiebreaker. What kind of character guy is he? What are we getting? I mean, you look at, for example, Andrelton Simmons, right? He is a guy that defensively is, is a wizard out there, but he's not a great hitter. And he never has been a great hitter at the plate. And I love him, by the way. I think he's a hell of a player. He's really good. I know. You'd love to have him as your starting shortstop, but he's just not valued in today's game the way that he would have been 15 years ago. Hell, the way that he was at the beginning of his career with the Angels. That was five years ago. With the Braves. 
Yeah, Braves and yeah, then eventually net, whatever net he went over to the Angels yeah. as well. All right, BK, what do we have coming up with uh, you and Alex? Looking forward to the show today. So we have Doc Emmerich actually coming up at 1130. Can't wait to talk to him. I know he was a huge fan, huge fan of Bobby Plager. So we'll get some of his stories about Bobby Plager coming up at 1130. He's got a new book out, too. He does indeed. And I also want to ask him, you know, the difficulty of sustaining a cup window, right? That's what the Blues are trying to do right now. They're in the middle of that five-year window that Doug Armstrong talks so much about. He's seen this for 50 years. What, what, how, why is that so difficult? What needs to happen to be able to keep that window open? Talk about that with Doc Emmerich. We have Jeremy Rutherford at 1215 and Sean uh, McIndoe of The Athletics going to join us at 1 o'clock. He said it's potentially getting close to time uh, for the panic button to be pressed for the Blues. All right, looking forward to it. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.